Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know me or perhaps you don't know me. I have this desire to live, live, live and lead a healthy life. I've just got this um, desire that I just want to be a great example. And so part of that great example is looking after yourself uh, physically. And so just over two years ago now, we built a new house and we spoke with the kids in terms of everybody had their list of what they wanted in that house. I mean, you start up here and then you end up down here. But my one non-negotiable was I wanted a third garage so that we could build a home gym. We had been accumulating all sorts of um, weights, stuff, and um, what do you call cardio? Thanks, cardio equipment stuff. And so I just thought, you know what? In terms of lifestyle, if we could have it on site rather than having to go somewhere, it would help us make healthy lifestyle a priority. So we built a house with a third garage. We got some old carpet. We put it in. We've got a television. It's like a real gym. It's got a little TV in the corner. It has a mirror. I mean, it's not a gym if it doesn't have a mirror. So my husband tells me and we can never get him from looking into the mirror. Um, We've got weights that we've accumulated over the years. We've got a treadmill. We've got uh, a cross trainer and there's a spin bike in there. And uh, everybody knows that when you are doing exercise, it's not just about having the equipment. It's all sorts of equipment that you have to have. So I also have invested in a really good pair of running shoes. Now, I'm a girl. So when you go to the sports shop, I just look for the prettiest shoes. I don't care. But if you go to Athlete's Foot, they make you take your shoes off and you've got to walk on their little computer thing and then they show you what your gait's like and then they point you to the direction of the shoes you have to get. And I'm like, yeah, 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 just where's the pink ones? I just want pink. So I don't care, buddy, as long as they're pink in this. Anyway, so they've checked out my gait and whether you're flat-footed or you've got an arch, you roll your ankles in or out and here's the shoes and then let's find the ones within that range that fit you. So, you know, healthy living's about investing in, in, in good shoes. And, um, and everybody knows that if, you know, if you want to get to the gym and you want to do exercise, you've got to have the right gym attire. I mean, you just can't go in your daggy tracky decks. It just doesn't work. You just feel instantly seven kilos lighter when you've got good gym gear on. Well, that's what I tell myself anyway. I've discovered that legs look leaner in Lorna. I mean, I was going to use Adidas or Nike, but the body parts that kind of worked with that was like, no, I'm not going there. So legs look leaner in Lorna. And um, so not only have we, I've done that, we've got gym equipment, I've got sand shoes, I've got um, good outfits to wear. Healthy living is also about what you eat. So in, I have invested in some good cookbooks. I can't cook to save myself, but I've got some good cookbooks. In fact, if you come to our house probably over the last 10 to 15 years and we've entertained you, you've probably received a uh, barbecue. It's just standard rain, rainbow fare as a barbecue because you can't mess up a barbecue. Well, I've got a new talent. I've discovered barbecue, barbecue what's it called? Butter chicken. I asked Dan McGaw because he's been the last four weeks and guess what he's got every time he's come? Butter chicken. So I've discovered this really healthy paleo peat uh, butter chicken that you can serve with cauliflower rice. So, you know, healthy lifestyle. So I've got some um, paleo peat cookbooks. My cupboard, if you open my pantry, I mean, I've got quinoa, 
You know that's spelt with a Q and not a K? You say quinoa, but it's spelt with a Q. I was looking in the supermarket for quinoa under K. Spelt with a Q. I've got, I've got cocoa. Mm. I've got coconut oil in my pantry. I've got um, millet, chia seeds, you name it. If it is fat-free, sugar-free, gluten-free, taste-free, fun-free, it's in my cupboard. You open my refrigerator, there is grain-fed, free-range chicken breast fillet. Not just chicken breast fillet, grain-fed, free-range chicken breast fillet next to the free-range eggs, because you can't... I tried to buy caged eggs once, and my son lectured me about, you can't buy caged eggs. So we now have, what are they called? Free-range eggs. I've got kale in my refrigerator. I mean, kale in my refrigerator. I've got almond milk. I mean, because, you know, you can't just drink normal milk nowadays. It's got all the other stuff, that almond milk. In fact, my desire to lead a healthy life is even... I own a veggie garden. A veggie garden. It was my daughter's eighth birthday present. It is now mine. Like most things, was hers. But guess whose lap it landed in. So in my veggie garden, right now we've got growing capsicums, snow peas. What else is it? Carrots. Over summer we had tomatoes that were coming out everywhere. So we've had tomatoes, carrots, strawberries. I mean, I've got a veggie garden. And so, you, of course, you can see that I've got a big want to live and lead a healthy life. And I'm sure you'd be like me at my surprise when I find myself at the end of the week with a garbage bin in front of my refrigerator pulling all of this healthy, organic, now expired (laughs) food and tossing it in the bin all the while on the phone to my training partner saying, I know I didn't get to the gym this week, but we'll do it on Monday. I'm sure we'll get there Monday. I'm sure we'll get there Monday. And I've discovered that there's a big disconnect and gap and distance between my want to living a healthy life and my able to living a healthy life. And that disconnect is a little thing called margin. Now, according to the dictionary definition, margin is simply the amount available beyond what is necessary. You might define margin as the difference between what you have and what you need. Let me give you an example. If I've got 30 minutes to get somewhere and it takes 20 minutes, besides the fact that that would be a miracle, um, I would have 10 minutes left of margin. Or perhaps for you young people, this might help. If you've got $100, you earn $100 a week and you spend $80, you've got $20 of margin. They're like, change? 20 bucks? Margin? What is this new teaching? Margin. (laughs) Margin is what is left between what you have and what you need. All right? So, um, So margin, it's the reason. Now, we've called this month Generous June. Now, we don't want just June to be generous. This is not a, hey, let's, you know, for three months of the year, January, June, July, let's be generous because it sounds catchy. No, we have labelled it generous June, but we're actually wanting a lifestyle of generosity. That Victory Church and the people that call her home would be a generous people, not just on occasion, but a lifestyle of generosity. And I've discovered in my years of just leading people and working with people and being with people, 
that most of us have a desire to be generous. There's very rarely somebody is just stingy by, that's just it, I want to be stingy. They're very far and few between. Most of us have a, have a desire to be generous. But there's, like I said, there's a gap between our want to and our able to. Back in January this year, we had those horrific fires in our locality. Just recently, we've had the earthquake in Nepal. We've had the um, hurricane in Vanuatu. And I'm amazed at how people will always step up to the plate. They want to bring money. They'll go over there. They bring donations of food. They bring donations of blankets or whatever's needed. There's, there's a, a want to in the human psyche that wants to help. But we have to transition from it being an occasion of generosity to a lifestyle of generosity. And I find that people are just like me. The reason our want to struggles under our able to is because we all lack margin. And what you need to know is that margin is not just a good idea. Margin is, in fact, God's idea. In Leviticus 23, verse 22, it says... When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you, for I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19.10 says, Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And finally, in Deuteronomy 24, 19, it says, When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hand. God's plan for us is not to live edge to edge. God's plan for us is to live with margin, to live within the confines of what He's given us so that we can be a blessing to others. He, God doesn't want us just getting by. He doesn't want us living flat strap where every ounce of resource we have is just used on ourselves. But possibly not just ourselves, maybe our extended family. But other than that, I just don't have the resource available. God is saying, don't live that way. Don't live to the extreme. Don't live edge to edge. But why don't you rein it in, live within the realms and apply margin to your life? Because when you do, you become a blessing to others. I want you to know what I truly, truly, truly believe is that in my margin there's a miracle for someone else. In your margin, there's a miracle for someone else. When you leave the edges free, so when you're not living right edge to edge, when you're leaving margin in your life, you can be a source of supply to someone else. When there's a margin in your life, it can release a miracle in the lives of others. And so tonight, I just want to spend a few minutes because the title of my message is The Miracle is in the Margin. And I want to look at a story of a miracle that unfolded in a woman's life because a man lived with margin. A miracle that happened to somebody because someone said, you know what, I'm going to live according to God's plan. I'm going to live with margin. And when I live with margin, perhaps, perhaps my margin can provide a miracle for someone else. So I'm going to read from Ruth and um, 
I'm not, Ruth is a, is a book, it's four chapters, and I want to encourage you, we don't have time right here and now to read the whole four chapters, all right? But I want to encourage you, when you go home tonight, read it, you'll be blessed, just to read the account again and to see for yourself, see what I have picked up on it, but you know what? Do something for yourself, and find out, okay, God, what else is in that for me? So I encourage you, go home tonight, read Ruth, it's only four chapters, but I'll just quickly give you a summary of that, just so you've got some context as to where I'm coming from. Basically, in this account and the narrative of Ruth, there's an Israelite family who, a famine has come onto the land of Israel. So this Israelite family, they decide, they sell up and they move to a neighbouring land so that they can get work and that they can live and survive there. So this family move to the land in Moab where these uh, sons, so they've got two little boys, they obviously grow up, they marry two Moabite women, and then what happens is the husband dies, and then the two sons die. And then what that does is leaves the uh, wife and the widow, uh, Naomi, and then her two daughters-in-law. So Naomi is in this foreign land with her two daughters-in-law. She doesn't have a husband and she no longer has sons. So her her source of provision has uh, dried up. So she hears that the famine has actually broken in Israel. That's her homeland. So she decides, you know what, there's no point in me hanging here with strangers. I may as well go back to my homeland, go back to my country. Possibly someone there would, uh, in my extended family will just have mercy, take pity on me. I'll go back. And at the very least, if I go back to my country of birth, I can die amongst friends there. So she decides that she's going to go back to Israel. She tells her daughters-in-law, you know what, your young you're young girls, you're widowed, but you can stay here with your families. They're here. Make a new life for yourself. Just get married and have children, get provisions. I've got nothing to offer you. If you come with me, I've got nothing to offer you. So one of the women decide to stay. The other woman who we know as Ruth says there's no way that she's going to leave her mother-in-law and she goes back to Israel uh, with her mother-in-law. And then they find themselves, they're just uh, destitute, they're there. And then one of the um, well-known things you can do is you can glean. So people could go, which we read in the scripture in Leviticus, when people left their fields, you could go and glean and take get food for yourself so you weren't starving. It's kind of like in God's economy, we would have the dole today. So it's a way of effectively caring for those who couldn't care for themselves. So here we are in this story. So I'm just going to quickly read from Ruth chapter 2 verse 8 it says so Boaz said to Ruth my daughter listen to me don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here stay here with the women who work for me watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and wherever whenever you are thirsty go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled So Ruth has gone to do gleaning in another man's field. And I just want to look at this man's name is Boaz. And I want to look at Boaz was listening to what God has said. He's been obedient to what God has said. He's not living a life that is edge to edge. He's living and harvesting his fields where he's left margin so that the widows, so that those who have no hope and future can come and get something to eat. This is the man who's got margin and Ruth is the woman who's come and we're going to see the miracle that comes into Ruth's life because of this man's margin. So the first thing I get out of that scripture is that Boaz's margin gave Ruth protection. He says, when she goes in there, he says, daughter, don't go anywhere else. He recognises her. He sees her. He just says, you know what? Stay here. Stay with my women. 
Do what you need to do here. Don't go to another man's field. Why don't you do that here? And then um, if you're thirsty, you can come and get a drink. When we have margin in our lives, we provide protection for others. So you've got to understand, we're talking about a woman here. We're talking about a woman in a culture where women weren't respected. We're talking about, she's not only a woman, that's one um, strike against her name. She's also a foreign woman. So there's a second strike against, and she's a widower. I mean, she is almost like a lamb to the slaughter. She could have been anywhere. There's nothing to say that here's a woman, she could have been attacked, she could have been raped, she could have been murdered, she could have been left for dead. They could have done whatever they liked with her. But because a man had margin in his life, he was obedient to God, he said, I'm not living my fields edge to edge. Let me remind you, he could have, because that, think of the margin, the extra that he left, that grain, that's a cost to this man. He could have left that grain. I mean, he could have harvested that grain and sold it for more profit. But he chose to do what God has said, and that is leave margin in his life. By leaving margin in his life, he's provided protection for this woman. And I want to say, church, I want to challenge us and encourage us. Where are we leaving margin in our lives so we can bring protection to others? Okay, we don't have fields that we harvest and leave a margin. But you know what? We've got emotional margin. We have physical margin. We have financial margin. We've got all sorts of areas of margin that we can leave in our lives so we can bring protection to others. If you are living edge to edge, if you are living flat strap, counting every penny, every time count, you have to say you'd be under a fair amount of stress. And if you're under a fair amount of stress, it would be helpful to say that your, your relationships aren't healthy. You would have to be taking some of that tension and stress and angst out on whether you're an employer, you're taking it out on employees, whether you're a parent, you're taking it out on kids. We've got to get to that point where we, we obey what God says and allow margin in our lives so we can bring protection. How many times have you heard it said, I know when we had, uh, our kids were younger, everybody used to say, whatever you do, you don't discipline or hit in anger. Because the problem is when you, if you're talking about smacking somebody, if you smack when you're in anger, you have no self-control. There was always that point of, if you are at that point where I have no control, smacking is not an option in this scenario. If I want to discipline you with smacking, it always had to be on the foundation of I'm in control here. And I, I don't know parents, but how many of us are doing life where we are living edge to edge emotionally, we are not providing safe environments for our kids. I'm not even talking just physically. I mean, that's an obvious one in that if I'm living stress, tension, everything's, I've got no reserve, there's no margin. I'm like an, a drawn rubber band that the lightest, slightest flick, I'm going to snap, not, um, not bend. It's obvious to say, well, you know what, you can see that there would be a physical danger and not a physical protection. But what about emotionally? If you're, if you're living edge to edge, you don't have the emotion. If, have you providing a safe haven emotionally for your family? Husband, are you providing a safe haven emotionally for your wife? Employer, student, teacher, it goes, in any relationship you would find yourself, if you are living edge to edge, you can't be providing safety and protection to those in your world. I remember probably about two years ago, our youngest daughter, Bailey, she's eight now, she would have been about six. 
She suddenly went from being the child who was, she never wanted to sleep at home. She wanted to sleep everywhere. I was like, what's wrong with home? I'm glad I've read Paul DeYoung's book on security, insecurity, because I would have been like, what's wrong with your house? But she wanted to sleep anywhere and everywhere. And then overnight, it turned. And it it shocked me the first time it happened because somebody rang and said, could Bailey do a sleepover? I didn't even ask Bailey. I just said, sure. And then when I went to say, hey, Bailey, you're going here, just suddenly her demeanour changed. She got, I was like, who is this child? And then she started to cry. And can I tell you that because emotionally I had the capacity and I wasn't living edge to edge, I, just, I felt God say, something's going on here. Because I was like, this is not my normal child. And normally I'd be like, ah, what's your problem, princess? Suck it up, go, you'll be fine. But when you're, not, when you're living edge to edge, you don't have that capacity and that reason to be able to emotionally think, hang on, what is going on here? And we've spent the last two years working with Bailey on that and just saying, you know, okay, not saying we're going to leave her there, but we, because I've had the emotional capacity, I'm not living stressed and edge to edge, I'm not approaching her on what works for me. Because sometimes it just works for me, just go and sleep somewhere because I need you to do that. And it's like, no, it's not about that. Margin says something's going on here. I need to provide a safe place. And in, in, in by not pushing her, in by having margin, we've been able to have conversations and find out what's going on in that little brain of yours. What's happening here that we can bring safety to you? And she feels safe now. Rather than trying to make excuses as to why she doesn't want to go, and why she, doesn't, she feels safe to be able to say, I don't want to go because, or I want to go because. So my margin, not living edge to edge, being a emotionally available for my daughter means that she feels safe. Now, before you think too much of me, I'm going to tell you a different incident. Probably 13 years ago, I remember we had another child who uh, went through the same thing, was doing really well, and then all of a sudden just started not sleeping and would come into our room and then have all these reasons as to why they were in there. And I remember this went maybe, I think we'd come back from an international trip. So let's add jet lag into that. Let's add all sorts of, here comes the excuses, all sorts of things into it. But I remember one night, obviously I was, I had no margin. I had been living edge to edge. We'd been running flat chat. It was a special season in the life of the church. Obviously we were doing things tough. And it was the last straw this night that they came in. And I was just like, no grace, just marching back to bed. They performed. But you know what's even worse? Not only did we have a four-year-old having a tantrum, we had a 35-year-old had a tantrum. And I remember being on the bed on my hands and knees over this child who's laying in bed who wouldn't go to sleep, who kept crying, kept giving me, over them, bouncing <laughs> and going, oh, blah, blah, blah. so as much as they were going, I was going like, I just lost it. I'm blah, 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 blah. So can you imagine what they're thinking, like, what is this crazy woman? In runs my husband and he said, will you stop the tantrum? And then he turned to our daughter and said, <laughs> so that was directed at me. Again, just a point of, you know, I had no margin. Stressed to the limit, was emotionally done, had no emotional margin. I didn't provide a safe place for my child in that environment. Church Someone's miracle is in your margin. 
Right now, there was a, a miracle of safety for Bailey, for her to feel heard, a miracle for her to grow in confidence to say what's happening. Because you know what? If she couldn't say it then and there, um, we're t- what we're teaching her is you can come to mum and dad with anything. There's nothing that's silly. There's nothing that we're not going to diminish it or rubbish it. But if I was emotionally strapped, it's so easy to just let that slide and you'll do it for me and you'll do this and not meeting them where they're at. Your margin can provide protection for somebody else. The second thing I get when I read about how Boaz provided margin and what the miracle that he provided in Ruth's life was that he gave Ruth provision. Not only did he protect Ruth so she could come into his margin, she could glean and from his, in the safety of his care, but she also got provision from his margin. Further down in chapter 2 in verse 14, it says, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. And she got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some of the stalks out from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley and she gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. As she carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she'd gathered, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Boaz's margin meant that Ruth could get food for her and Naomi. Not only did Boaz give her food at lunchtime and she kept some of that, once she ground um, all the wheat and she had what she needed to make what they needed, she also had a source of where she could go off and sell the excess. So she could get money then to buy what they needed. Boaz's margin provided for Ruth and Naomi. Did you know that the miracle potentially in your margin could be provision for someone else. I remember um, just before we actually had uh, kids, Tony Tony had a van and I had a little Toyota Corolla and we'd made a decision that I was now going to be home full-time so we didn't need two cars. So we decided we were going to sell uh, both of our cars and just buy one car. And so we we sold Tony's van and we bought this new car and we were getting ready to sell our car and we decided, you know what? We could sell this car and possibly back then it was probably worth about five grand. We said, we could sell this car. Oh, do you know what? We could give it away. And we decided we didn't need to sell the car because we've been living within our means. We'd been living with margin. We had the opportunity right then and there. We said, you know what? We could get five grand, but we could also be in our margin, provide a miracle for someone else. And we gave away that car. I tell you, I cannot, not only did we give that car away, we serviced it and we put new tyres on it before we gave it away. And you know what? Maybe we would have got five grand, but I tell you what, that five grand would have gone. And that was however many years ago, 17 years ago now. But you know what has never gone away? Is the response that I got to see of the people when we gave that car key to them. Never goes away. That's over 17 years ago now. Never goes away. That five grand would have gone. Now, I can, we could do that. Why? Because we had margin. I didn't need to sell that car so I could get another car. We were living within our means and our margin was a provision for someone else. What is your margin providing for? We've taught our kids from a very early age that I'm blessed 
by God to be a blessing to others. And I love what Scott said last Sunday night. I don't know if you heard it, but when he was talking about the rich young man said, what can what do I need to do to be saved? And he said, go sell all your possessions, give it away and then come follow me. And he went away sad. And I don't know if you heard it, but this is what Scott said. He said, it wasn't about he had to sell all his possessions. He said, what are you no longer in use of? Give that away. Now, again, I know some people are eBay kings and queens. That's just not been our way. We've just always, I've just always said, you know what, Lord, I want my life, I want the margin in my life to be provision for others. So we um, had bought a new lounge suite recently and we had our old lounge suite just sitting in the front. Everyone kept saying, what are you doing with it? Hey, I can stick it on eBay for you. I can stick it on eBay for you. And we shuffled things around because Scott was staying with us and we managed to get it upstairs. But I said to Tony, no, I'm sitting on that lounge suite. I said, you know why I'm sitting on that lounge suite? Because I know there's a time coming. Someone needs that lounge suite. And I could sell it. I know that. I don't want to sell it. I want to give it to someone because I know that there's a miracle. I want to provide a miracle. I want my margin to be a miracle in someone's life. And before you sit there and say, well, that's okay for you, I love what Tony said this morning. Have you ever stopped to ask, well, why is that okay? And then apply it to your life. Because we're not talking, I've, I've used a couple of financial issues. I've used a couple of financial examples. But food is not just money. Food is nourishment to the soul. Now look around. Look in society. Who knows somebody who could, their soul could do some nourishing, with, could, do with, could do with some nourishing. So you know what? We've just had our number one this morning was about generous June. Be generous with your words. So you know what? You can be generous with your words. So you don't have a car to give away, but can you be generous with your words? Can you provide nourishment and food to the, maybe to the single mum who feels like she's doing it tough, that she just, oh, I'm not good at this. My kids are off the rails. They look, everyone else's kids, their hair's brushed, their clothes match, they're this. I'm just lucky to be here. Can't you provide spiritual nourishment by drawing alongside a single mum and tell her what a great job she's doing? Kind words, thankfulness, encouragement, appreciation. It's nourishment to the soul. Just this week, I got a text on um, yesterday and someone sent it to me and they said, it was right in the middle of when I was just prepping this and I was thinking about, you know, trying, you're always trying to think about examples. You want people to see, I'm not doing just preach at people. I want to share, this is what happens. This is what goes down. So you're always looking for examples. And I, I received this yesterday and this person said, sometimes I wake up. And I can't shake this feeling of how lucky I am to be a part of Victory and to have such amazing spiritual parents. I love you both so much. Hope you have an amazing day. You know what? That probably took two minutes, if that, for someone to send. But you know what? That came out of someone's margin. Because I don't know about you, to my shame, there's been many times I've got to the end of the day and I've either had a conversation with someone or I've thought something and then I hear something went down. I think, oh, I knew I should have texted them. I felt God say to me, but do you know why I didn't? Not because I'm lazy, but because of a little thing called margin. I'm living time poor. I'm living edge to edge in my time. I'm living edge to edge in my thinking. I'm living edge to edge in my emotions. I'm so bent up and got unforgiveness and hurt and offence that I can't even start to cross over to think about how other people are because emotionally I just can't give myself there. How many times 
when someone says something, I think, man, I knew I should have sent that text. I knew I should have sent that card. I knew I should have given that phone call. I knew I should have stopped and said something. Not because I'm evil or poor, but just a little thing called margin. Someone's miracle is tied up in your margin. What I felt God say to me about this message, this isn't a how-to message. We've, we've spoken before on margin and how to get margin. You can go to our website and download messages on margin. Possibly we can speak in the future about how to get margin. This is a why to have margin. You know why you need to have margin? Because someone's miracle is dependent on the margin that you create. Imagine if you had margin in your life to respond to the inner nudge. Imagine if you weren't living edge to edge that you could develop a sensitivity to hear and room to act. And finally, the last thing I read out of this text from Ruth is in chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. It says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. Because Boaz had margin in his life, he gave Ruth a future. You know what? But if we have margin in our lives, the miracle is we can give somebody a future. There's a whole thing there about the kinsman redeemer, but that doesn't matter. That's not necessary. What I want you to understand is if you make time and make room and do what's needed so you're not living edge to edge. So you're not living that, hey, you know what? I've only, I don't have enough between just anything above what I need, let alone be able to help others. If you can make adjustment and have margin in your life, you could maybe build a miracle of the future for someone else. We've got Norm sitting here in the second row and I was, when I was preparing, I was just thinking about it. Several years ago, he was sort of in and out of church, checking out church, kept telling us, I like this place, but I don't believe in God. And then had an occasion where he had to go to hospital. And when he was in hospital, he said that some women who don't know him, kind of friends of his wife, uh, Laura, who came to the church, made meals, came and did some general housekeeping, came and cared for his family. Some women had margin and in their margin was the miracle of a future and an eternity changed. Can I encourage you? Let's make margin. Let's not live edge to edge. You don't know what the conversation is with the girl at the checkout. You just think it's a conversation at the checkout. Make, have, if, you've got mar- if you're stressed and you're running to the next thing, you can't take it. But if you make margin, she could just say something and your ears prick up. You're pumping petrol. You're at school. You're one of your students who's sitting next to you. Workmate, whatever it is, the situation, the circumstance you find yourself in. You don't know what it is. But if you've got margin, at least you're sensitive and you're available. Because you know what? Somebody's future 
their miracle of a destiny changed, of a life getting to know the King of Kings, can be in your margin. I love what Scotty said last week. It's not about you have to close the deal. It's just you've got to be a link in the chain. Just got to be a link in the chain. We can't be links in the chain if we don't have margin. Can our band come up and I'm going to ask Tony to come back. What I like about this story is that this is all about how Boaz made margin. Boaz acknowledged, was obedient to the promise of God. God said, you leave the margin. Because he left the margin, the miracle of someone else's life. But you know what? Boaz wasn't left behind. This is what you've got to know. Boaz was an older man, obviously a wealthy man because he had all these lands, and yet he was still a single man. But because he lived with margin, he not only provided a miracle for someone else, but God saw him and then provided miracle for him because he got a wife who gave birth to a son for her mother-in-law and then went on to have other children. Boaz received a miracle for him, not only for Naomi, and it was exponential because it was his wife Ruth and then her mother-in-law, but then it went on to be his miracle too. Our prayer is that June wouldn't just be generous June, but that as a church, Victory Church, would have a company of people who would want and desire generous lifestyles and would make the adjustments that they wouldn't just be want to be generous, but we would be able to be generous. We're going to receive lots of great teaching about generosity with words, generosity in wealth, generosity in works, generosity in, what's the last W? Worship, thank you. Great teaching, but you know what? Sadly, the truth is, if we don't make adjustment, if we don't create margin, we'll continue to have a want-to mentality and not an able-to mentality. And my prayer is that tonight's message is an inspiration for us to, why? Why do I want margin so that church can use it up and someone else? No, I want margin in my life and I want margin in your life because I want to see the miracle that is going to be outworked in the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.